0: Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning again and again. Thank you for being a part of our time here at Connections Church this beautiful Sunday morning and Yes, it is beautiful. You can hear the rain hitting the the metal roof above, and I know for some of you that might be tempting to doze off and take a nap. Please don't do that. Uh, We want you to pay attention and get everything that God has for you. I just want to say as well that I know some of you Panther fans in here were hoping that I would be preaching uh, on the text uh, out of John 11.35, and apparently none of you know what that text is. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. There you go. We're not going to be doing that text today, and it doesn't really matter what the Panthers do because hopefully you uh, are are taping that. If you're a big fan, you can watch it later. Uh, If you don't care about the Panthers, say amen. amen. Wow. That's why you're here, right? All the other Panther fans are at home watching a game or somewhere. So uh, if you haven't been with us since uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we are in the middle of a new study, a brief study uh, entitled in prison. We're talking about uh, Paul's writing uh, to the Philippian church uh, while he was, dare I say it, in prison. So uh, if you missed last week, you can check out the website and catch up. And, and while in prison multiple times, Paul never wasted that time. And, and I love that. I love that because every time he was in prison, he was there, uh, falsely accused, or or or. Didn't deserve to be there like, like a few people uh, through the years have, have found themselves in that situation. Paul truly never deserved to be there. The only reason he was ever thrown in jail time and time again was because he loved Jesus. And he knew that Jesus had put that call in his life to go out and preach the gospel. And at that point in time in history, it wasn't a popular thing to do because the Roman Empire did not want to see the name of Jesus advanced and his glory grow, Right? I mean they they took him out. They they tried to stop it any way they could. So so once again we find Paul in the midst of a jail cell in prison. How many of you have ever kind of found yourself there not physically maybe hopefully but spiritually you feel like you're you're trapped you're you're shackled you're you're, you're held up in in a prison cell. Like things just aren't going the way that you want them to go and and, and knowing jail and prison like I do, not from the inside, mind you, but like I mentioned last uh, week, I, I've spent some time doing some prison and jail ministry through the years and, 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 and I've noticed some things about people who find themselves confined like that. Some of them, while they're there, choose to work on their minds. They choose to grow in education and learning and, and better themselves. And that's a great endeavor, Right. It's always good to, to advance and to grow educationally to kind of uh, enhance where we're at in that arena of life. And others, while there, they choose to work out and be- better their physical conditioning. They grow in strength and in health in their bodies. Now, that can be good and bad. If you got somebody that's in jail and, and they're a really bad, bad person and they want to inflict pain on people, the last thing you want to do is give them opportunity to pump up, right? You don't want to just hand them these weights and this, this workout stuff and say, hey, go for it and get yourself in even better condition so you can go hurt people even more. Uh, that one's questionable, but some of them choose to do that. Some choose to do both. They work on their, their minds and their bodies while there, and still others choose to do nothing or even worse. They work out their criminal, criminal abilities and grow in being really bad people, and that's, that's not what you want to see happen, right? So while you're in your seasons of what it seems like is captivity in your life, let me ask you this question. What do you do? How do you respond? Because we're we're talking about a guy who was falsely imprisoned, right? Didn't deserve to be there, but he was there. And again, I go back to, to what Paul did with his time. Here's what he did he prayed, he worshiped God. He spent time seeking to grow closer to God, even though he was there, falsely accused or or on bad charges or didn't deserve it. And he spent time proclaiming the name of Jesus. After all, get this church, don't don't miss this. He had a captive audience, right? (laughs) Where were they going? They couldn't get out either. So he spent his time wisely. He even spent his time writing writing good things, writing notes and letters of encouragement to the churches that he started. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to chase them all the way. (laughs) He spent his time sending them letters. How many of you ever get a a handwritten letter anymore? And I say that because now it's mostly what? Electronic, an email. How many of you got enough emails for a while and you could do without some, right? but he spent his time writing letters and he wrote those letters to the churches that God allowed him to start all over the area. One of those is the letter that we're in this month, the letter to the church in in Philippi, the Philippian church. And in verses 12 through 18 of chapter 2, what we're going to see in these seven verses is Paul taking all the things that he has said in the previous verses in this section, and applying them to the lives of the Philippian believers. In this section of scripture, he's basically telling them what they can actually do right now, if they desire, if they truly desire. Now just grab a hold of that for a second. If you really want it, what he's saying to them, if you want this more than anything else, I'm gonna write to you these instructions on how you can live your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you got to back that truck up just a little bit and ask yourself, like I have to ask myself, do I really want this? You see, because Paul can do, like I said last week, we can set the table, but we can't make people, we can't force anybody to bring their fork and get down to business of eating the, the food. And what Paul is saying here is if you want it in your heart of hearts, if you want it more than anything else, if you want it more than watching some silly football game on TV, although I enjoy myself, if you want it more than sleeping in or staying out of the rain, if you really want it, here's how you can live a life worthy of the gospel. What he gives them here is the formula for a winning workout. If you're going to work some things out, work on these things. So follow along with me now as I read through chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And hear what Paul wrote to these wonderful people and to us today. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, verse 18 tells us, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now last week we talked about how to find joy in a jail cell. Paul doesn't lose his joy. He, he writes about joy all through this letter and all of his other letters. Uh, this morning, very quickly, I want to pull, pull out four things from this passage today, starting with number one in your outline, and I hope you have your outlines handy so you can take notes there. Number one on your outline, we've got to work out our salvation. Go back to verses 12 and 13. The first thing we see in this passage is that Paul starts talking about working out our salvation. Our salvation. Now he's building on the first part of chapter two. And if you haven't read through Philippians this week, I, I want you to go and do that this afternoon. And he's, he's going on the basis of those previous verses in chapter two, and he's talking about where do we go from here? And in the first part of chapter two, he's talking about how much we, we need to cling to Jesus and, and lifting him up. And now he's telling us how we can actually take steps of making that happen in our lives. And he brings this appeal for the Philippians. And, and if, if, you, if you would get, get a hold of this too, the way he kind of starts this section of scripture, therefore my beloved. Did you notice that love right there that he has for, for them? It's like they're his kids. Every church that Paul birthed, it was like they are his children. And man, he loves them with everything that he's got. And he, he loves them enough to speak the truth to them, to encourage them. And building upon the first part of chapter two, here he goes down this path of saying, if you want to live it out in your life, here's how to do it. And what he tells them first thing is basically this, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I hope that something pops up on your radar screen when we use that term work and salvation in the same sentence, because hopefully by now, every one of you who have been a part of this church at any time at all should know in your heart of hearts that works do not earn you salvation. Amen. We can't work our way into heaven. We can't do enough to earn getting to heaven. That that salvation is what? It is a gift of God's grace bestowed unto us who desire it. We can't do anything ourselves to make that happen except say, Jesus, I want you and I need you. And so some of you, your little radars might be blipping there because you're Bible scholars, and I love that. You're digging in deep, and he's talking about, well, what's he talking about, work and salvation in the same city? Here's what he's talking about. Let me just get to to the heart of the point here. He's basically saying that you can't do enough to work your way into heaven, but once you've accepted Christ, once I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord, then guess what I am expected to do? I am expected to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. I am expected to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I am expected to love my neighbor as myself. I am expected to go out and be that workman for Jesus Christ and his great kingdom. That we don't just get saved and sit back in our easy chair and grab the remote and say, well, whenever you're ready for me to come on home to heaven, then I'll be sitting here waiting on you, Lord. Come on, get me. No. Paul's saying, hey, it's not about works, but it is about work. There is work to do. And look at me, church, all across this room and out there watching. No one's immune. We are all called and equipped to do something for Jesus Christ. Listen, the bottom line is, be there under under section one is simply this. It's about living out our salvation. It's about active lifestyle of the fruit of God's spirit working in us and through us to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. It's not about talking a good game. There's a lot of people that do that. It's not about sitting back and, and judging like we talked about last week, how everybody else is doing, but it's about us strapping on our cleats and jumping out on the field and getting involved and doing what we can to advance God's glorious kingdom here in these last days. And that's exactly what Paul is getting at. You've got to work out your salvation and work is the operative word there because we've already been saved. We, 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 when we accept Christ, we are saved. As we said, there's nothing we can do to earn that or produce that or manufacture that in and of ourselves. We just trust God. We receive his gift and then we go to work. And and notice that that last part with fear and trembling. You're like, well man, that that sounds kinda, (laughs) it is Halloween season, so fear and trembling I guess would be kind of appropriate to talk about. Let me, let me let you know how that works. The Bible says one day as a Christ follower, I will stand and give an account before God on what I did with this treasure that he deposited into my life freely. One day I will stand before him and say, here, Lord, it's what I did with, with your, your light, with your love, with your gospel. Here's how I live my life. Here's how I managed. Here's how I stewarded the gifts that you entrusted into my hands. If That doesn't shake us to the core of who we are. But guess what? On top of that, as a minister of the gospel, I give even more of an account for what I've done with my life. How'd you like to be in those shoes? Well, you kind of are, so just jump on in here with me and understand that we're all ministers of the gospel. We're all ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And therefore, every one of us, every person who is saved, and even those who have not received Christ, will stand before the judgment seat of God one day and give an account for how we've lived our lives. So here's the question. Should that bring a little fear and trembling? Should that cause us to sober up and live vigilantly and live expectantly and live diligently and live disciplined lives for our great king? Oh, guess what? He spared nothing of heaven to bring us into the family. And all he asks is that we surrender everything of who we are and who we'll ever be into his hands and give everything we've got. I don't want anything left in the tank when I stand before God. And that's exactly what Paul is emphasizing here to the Philippians and to us here this morning at Connections Church. Work out your salvation. Don't sit back on your rear end. Get up and go. Get up and give, get up and live, get up and give, get up and serve, get up and and love. To advance God's great kingdom, work out your salvation. It's not works, but it's work. It's about living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And secondly, we've gotta work out (laughs) our relationships. Does that kinda get your attention this morning? We've got to avoid dissension to reach the world in verses 14 through 16, first part of verse 16. In this section, Paul tells the Philippians that we just read just a few moments ago, they are to do all things without what? Two things, without what? Grumbling or disputing. Now, one of the things we mentioned briefly last week is that there were apparently two ladies within the Philippian church that were having some sort of argument with each other. You remember us talking about that just briefly? And it got Paul's attention to the point that he listed their names in chapter 4 of Philippians. How would you like to be called on the carpet in the Bible for that that kind of stuff? I mean, there's a lot of good things that I'd like to be noted for. There's a lot of bad things. I don't want to be noted for. I don't want to be called out because I'm stirring the pot. Because in today's vernacular, I'm I'm creating drama, right? How many of you know, save the drama for your mama because we don't want none here. And Paul called him on the carpet and he understood why it's so important. Because dissension within the church hurts the witness of the church. Paul's interest is in the unhindered advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room have been in church for say more than than five years in your life? Hold them up, keep them up. Matter of fact, just stand to your feet. Not to embarrass anyone that hasn't. If you haven't, that's A-OK. You're probably better off than this group standing right now. More than five years. That's a good majority of our, our group this morning. Turn around and high five somebody and say you've made it this far. Now you can be seated. In that five years or more, how many of you have seen, been a part of, or heard about a church that split. Raise your hands. Stand back up if you've been a part of that. Good golly, Miss Molly, as someone used to say. That's just about everybody who stood up the first time. Turn around high-five your neighbor and say, pray, Saint, pray. And then you can be seated. Now, let me ask you this. You've seen that. You've heard that. You've experienced that, some of you in this very room. Some of you shied away from church yourself as a Christ follower because of the drama that went on in said church or churches in your area that you knew about, that you were a part of. And this is exactly what Paul's talking about. Little things can become big things when they're not checked. Little things can grow into a wildfire when you aren't careful. And divisiveness is something the enemy loves to use to destroy churches to bring them down, to divide and conquer. And what a sad testimony it is that probably 80% of the group in this room this morning has seen it, been a part of it, knew about something that happened in your area. Paul understood that. Very much so, and he's pleading with these folks. Do not let dissension Enter into the church family. As the old theologian Barney Fife used to say, you've got to nip it. Nip it, nip it, nip it. Nip it in the bud. Cut it out. Why? Because if you don't, here's what happened. Sister Susie and Sister Bertha. (laughs) Thank God nobody names their kids Bertha anymore, right? (laughs) I am speaking to the right group, right? None of you named... uh, 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 Oh my goodness. Okay, Sister Susie and Sister Jane. Okay, they get into a little squabble. And you know where these things start, don't you? Little petty differences usually. Nine times out of ten is something small. And you know where all that comes from, don't you? Pride. I want to be right. You know, we don't listen You know, to, to hear what somebody's saying. We listen to conjure up the response that's going to make us look good because we don't know how to communicate with each other anymore. We're all behind the keyboard sending stuff out. Keyboard warriors like we're somebody and know how to how to speak to people. We don't. And in the church, what happens is they go at it a little bit. They get into something over the color of the drapes or, or what's going on in the kid's room or whatever, something silly or who has the best banana pudding. And I'll be the judge of that, just bring them to me, and I'll settle that once and for all. Especially if you got some chocolate sprinkled on there, that, that's a whole other level. And so they get into it, and inevitably what happens is they want to get other people in on this, and you take my side. Did you, did you not hear what she did to me? And, and all of a sudden, this little thing, if not checked and stopped, becomes a big thing. And what Paul is saying here is stop all of your quarreling, stop your arguing, stop the decision. Get rid of the divisiveness. Hey, there are greater things at stake here. People's lives and eternities are hanging in the balance. And we are the glorious church of Jesus Christ and do not need to be squabbling over banana pudding. Come on, ladies. So he tells them that dissension within the church will destroy the witness of said church. And here's how that plays out. Hey, hey neighbor, welcome to the neighborhood. You and your fine family attend church anywhere? No, well, I would love to invite you to come over to Connections Church in Belmont over on McCaddenville Road on the frontage road. (laughs) John Boy and Billy fans will know that one, excuse me. Connections Church, isn't that that church over by the drive-in? Well, yes it is. The old drive-in, it's out of business that we don't know why nobody's doing anything with, but yes, that's the church. It's right there. Yeah, I heard about that church. I heard two of the ushers got in a fight in the foyer. That did not happen, folks. This is all just, you know, just go with me here. Over who gets to count the money. If they treat each other like that, I... I, I'm not bringing my family to be a part of anything like that circus. Paul understood what quarrels and fighting and bickering and dissension does to the testimony of a body of believers. Can you you grab a hold of this with me? Everything that we do and say as representatives of God's kingdom and connections church reflects on those those things. If you're out talking bad about your church, you better get your heart right. I'm going to tell you that right now because it's wrong. In no way, shape, or form is it close to being right. I don't care what you think you know, what you think your opinion is or stuff. You better get your heart right. And nobody has been doing this stuff. Please understand that I know of. I haven't heard reports of any of this. But as Paul is warning this precious church. I want to warn us at Connections because we are a precious church as well. Dissension within the church hurts the witness of the church. And B, under section two, we are to shine. That's how Paul sums that part up. We are to shine as lights in a dark, dark world. Now, how many of you are awake and alive to the fact that our world has a darkness enveloping it. And I'm not talking about sunlight and nighttime. I'm not talking about day and night. I'm talking about a spiritual darkness that seems to be getting thicker and thicker as the days move forward. I heard just this week that one of the Democratic candidates, and I'm not a political guy, and yet I am a political guy because we are to raise that standard of righteousness in our nation as a people One of those candidates is now pushing to have religious liberties and freedoms and tax exemption and all that stuff that churches now have removed from churches if they do not condone condone sinful lifestyles. The darkness is getting thicker. The persecution is ramping up. Listen, it's about living by God's standards, plain and simple. There's nothing else. And in these last days, it's going to get darker and darker. So look at me again just for a moment. How amazing the opportunity is for us to shine brighter and brighter. Because the light is always brighter when the darkness is thicker, right? You ever notice how that works? That the light is going to illuminate even more. So when we live as shining lights of God's glory in this dark world, we illuminate who he is to those desperately seeking a savior. Paul implores them, please, please understand, you've got to work on your relationships. Now, now get, get this, I understand full well, because you know what, I got some relationships too. I know that surprises you. You just think I go in a bubble all week and just show up here from a pod on Sunday mornings and whoop, preach it up. No, I got family, I got friends, I got neighbors. I got some coworkers that are a little challenging at times, but we won't go there this morning because they're in this room, so we're just gonna leave that alone. But you know what? I got some stuff. And I know it's one thing to get up here and preach about, love your neighbor, get along with people, restore those relationships, repair the breach and, and the hurt or whatever. And that is what God wants. But he also says there's this caveat, as much as depends on you, you can only do so much. But let me ask this, are we doing the so much? Are we going that extra mile? Are we doing everything we can to live peaceably, to love and and to walk in unity? And and once we do, then guess what? The results aren't necessarily up to us. We do everything we can and we trust God. But but, (laughs) I don't wanna stick a pen in your balloon this morning, but here's the reality of, of, of the other side of that. Some people never will receive what you're giving. Some people just love being mad. Some people just love holding a grudge and some people will not let that go come hell or high water. They're gonna hold on to it with that clenched fist until the day they die and somebody's gotta pry it out of their hands and even then it's not gonna happen. You're like, man, that's a downer, Pastor. I was coming to be a little encouraged and hoping to think, you know, it's just a glorious ending and the relationships just woohoo get all repaired and everybody just, but, but here's the thing. And look at me, never give up. Offer that lifeline. Show love. Be available. Regardless of how they respond, be available. Show love. Walk it out in your own life. Make make it miserable for them to be around you because you're just so full of love and you're so full of Jesus and you're like, not gonna let them get you down. Paul understood how important our relationships are Especially look at me right here in the body of Christ, in the family of God, in the church, that we walk together in unity and love with each other. And then, thirdly, working out how many of you have ever noticed this because you've done this before? Working out brings results when we work out faithfully, working out faithfully will bring results. Number one, we're going to be pleasing to God. That's exactly what Paul says, that that he's going to to honor you as as an offering, as a sacrifice, as your life and your love and your allegiance is going to to catch his attention, so to speak. He's going to notice that in you, that you will live that life that's pleasing to God. You know, at the end of the day, when we stand before him, that's really all we want to hear him say to us, right? Well done, my good, and what? What? faithful servant, enter in to heaven today. When we work out our salvation, when we work out our relationships, when we get in right standing with him, as verse 16 says, we can do this by holding fast to the word of God, to the word of life, meaning that we're to hold firm to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we can do that, then guess what? We are gonna live lives that will bring results and will be pleasing and honoring to our God. And, and the other thing under section three is simply this. We're going to be powerful witnesses to the lost people around us. I know, I know without a doubt in my, in my heart that, that many of you in this room have prayed for just that. Lord, I want to be a witness I want to make a difference. I want to shine your light. God, I want to impact somebody's life. I want them to get a hold of you because of something that you're doing in my life and something that I'm doing that's going to honor you. And that's exactly what Paul is urging these folks in as well as he wraps this chapter up. He's saying, when you do this, when you when you work out your salvation, when you work out your relationships, when you strive and give and do everything you can to live that life that honors me, then guess what? It will be noticed by those around you. They're gonna see that. They're gonna take notice of that. And look at me, guys, they're gonna want that in their lives. They're gonna hunger for that. And I believe that doors are going to open for you to be able to share with him, hey, what he's done for me, he'll do for you. God loves you as much as he loves me. He loves us all the same, immensely, immeasurably. And what he's done for me, he'll do for you. Do you want to be a witness? Do you want to work out your salvation? Do you want to work out your relationship? So, well, you had me in salvation, but the relationship part, I did. Do we want to be pleasing to God and a witness to those around us? Now, some of you say, "Well, this is a pretty tall order of things," and I, you know, this is all kind of new to me. But last thing I want to give you on your outline is simply this: we don't do this on our own we're going back to the first section where we talked about works and working and and all that stuff because some of you are already thinking and calculating man I'm gonna have to change this I'm gonna have to do this I'm gonna have to cut this out I'm gonna have to try to overcome this and this is going to be tough and hey you're already doing the calculations in your mind are you that kind of person and some of you are kind of like me and you're just like hey that sounds great I'm going for it others of you are planners how many of you planners in this room and you've already been, the wheels have already been turning. You've been like, man, if I get this, if you just got to get, and then this will equal this, and then, you know, on down the line. No, listen, let me just help you with that real quick as we finish this part up. Let me just give you some assistance. We, listen, we don't do this in our own power. Why? Because as Paul expresses in verse 13, we have God's power inside of us. It is God who is inside of us, who is at work, working in us and through us to accomplish all of this stuff. So so let me just pretend like you've got this big old cinder block on your shoulders, and it's just been lifted off, and you kind of, woohoo, man, that feels good. How many of you have ever put one of your kids on your shoulders and goes, we want to ride, we want to ride, and they want to jump on your back, and you're like, okay, come on. And when they were like two, that that was okay. They weighed like what? 12 pounds, 15, 20, I don't even know, I've lost track, of you know, little kids, it's just like, whoo, and then all of a sudden, when they're like 10, it's a whole different story, right? You're like, hey, dad, I want to ride, you're like, yeah, jump on, partner, let's go, it's like, whoa, oh, oh my God, Man, what you been eating, pal, I don't know, what's going on? You just feel like, woo. And some of us hear this kind of stuff that that the Bible encourages us to to grab a hold of and live and make a a part of our lives and and we start feeling that pressure. It's like, man, how am I gonna accomplish? How is this possible? You start looking up at God and saying, God, you know me. I mean, how am I gonna pull this off? Let me just grab that weight and let the Holy Spirit just lift that off your shoulders and let you know this, that you don't have to in your own power that we all have readily available the power of God living in us and through us to accomplish that. Hear me, church. It's not by might nor by strength, but by his power, says the Lord. It's nothing of what we can do except this. And hear me, surrender. God, I give it all to you. I can't, but you can. I'm telling you what a blessing it is What a relief it is, what a weight off it is that we don't have to do it in our own strength. Again, verse 13, it is God who is at work within us for his own good pleasure. And so this morning we can be confident that the work he's begun in us, he will carry it out to its completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And with Paul, we can rejoice over the prospect of laying it all down as an offering to God and living in a manner worthy of his high calling. Through his power and his enablement and his ability We've had such an amazing time this morning of prayer, of worship, of community. I don't want that to end. I want the worship team to come, and I want you to just close your eyes for a moment across this room, and if you're watching or listening today or the days ahead, I just want you to understand fully that wherever you're at, in your car, at home, at work... God is speaking to you. God is encouraging you as well, just as he is for us right now in this holy moment. And was as little moving around as possible for the next couple of minutes. I just want to say this. If you want to close your eyes just for a moment, that's okay, do that. But when it comes to the area of working out your salvation with fear and trembling, I could almost see it on, on faces across this room that that the Holy Spirit was doing something to touch your heart and your life and challenge you to to take that step to get up out of your seat to put the remote control down to run to him and say God help me help me go to work in my life help me be disciplined to love you and serve you fervently. I want that Joshua spirit inside of me. I want that Caleb spirit inside of me. I want to run and take those mountains. I want, to, I want to run and take territories back that the enemy has stolen away from the kingdom of God. I want to set my city on fire. I want to set my school on fire. Not literally, but, but for the kingdom of God, for his glory, I want to bring revival to people that I encounter. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to work for God so that when I stand before him and give my account, I can hear him say, I can hear him say, I can see those eyes piercing my eyes and saying to me, well done, my good and faithful servant, come on home today. It's all yours. And I'm going to tell you, you can hear you got promoted. You can hear you passed school, your grade, your test, or whatever. You can hear that you made the team, but there is nothing that's going to compare to hearing Jesus say that to you. Some of you got some work and working out to do in some relationships. As much as depends on you, you've got to do the as much part. There's some work that needs to be done. There's some divisiveness, some stuff that's trying to creep in. I don't know what it is for you, but I, I know this right now, as we prepare to worship God one more time as a family, with this anthem of praise, I know in my heart that God is calling us to come and pray. So I'm not going to call you to come and stand here on this blue blue carpet like I do sometimes. I'm just going to call you to come and find a place around this stage that we call an altar and and just just get down on your knees if possible, or just stand if it's not possible, and just just do business with God for the next couple of moments in this room. Would you do that with me right now all across this room? Would you come and find your place here at the front of this church? Make that step in your own life. Begin to work some things out. Take that step that's actually working, because you know what? It's not easy sometimes to stand up and move forward and, 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 and do something like this in a gathering like this, but this is your family. These folks are family. Whether you've been here one time or a thousand times, we are your family. And we stand with you and we kneel with you and we love you. And we are here for you just as Jesus is here for all of us. Arms open wide. That love that only he can give. So would you come and join these that are gathered right now so we spend a couple moments in prayer, and I just want i want the worship team to just sing right now, and I'm going to come and, and pray over all of us, but I want some of you just to come and pray for these folks down here. You just, you're just full of what God's doing in your life, and you want to share and minister and give back. Would you just come and do that, and let's just sing this song, and then we're going to come back and pray together over all of us in this room. Would you do that right now? Stand up across this room. Sing it out together, church. He is worthy of all of our praise. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.